0: Is the founder of the Saddleback Church in Southern California. And you may be familiar with him, uh, maybe as a preacher, maybe someone you've seen on TV, maybe even though as an author, uh, he wrote a series of books that were entitled The Purpose Driven Life and Purpose Driven Other Things that Came After That as Well. That church, that organization began in 1980 with six people in Bible study. By the year 2020, they averaged an audience or an attendance at uh, Let say it again. Their average attendance was over 23,000 people per sign. Now, that's larger than Ruff Arena. So, if you've ever been to a UK game or a concert or a rodeo or something at Ruff Arena, that's a large building. That's a lot of seats that are in that building. Today, we call Saddleback what the word that's usually used today is a megachurch. There's mega churches in a lot of places. Lexington, Louisville, a lot of other cities as well. Warren once said that this church exists to benefit the residents of the Salabite Valley by providing for their spiritual, physical, emotional, intellectual, and social needs. He's not exactly wrong, but is that What is the scriptural work of the local church? Well, whether there's 23 people, or 2,300, or 23,000, the church must be diligently at work. But it must be diligently doing God's work, and not man's work. And so today, we're continuing, I said at the start, that we were going to do one month of setting the church in order. And today we're going to talk about the work of the church. So to start with, when we think about the work of the church, well, let's talk about that for just a moment. The work of the church, in many ways, reflects the nature of that relationship. Let's think about work for a second. Most of us have uttered the sentence, "I have to go to work tomorrow." Now. What that actually means is different for every single person in this room because we all have different jobs. But that word work, that descriptor work, puts us in some kind of relationship with a boss. And there is an expectation of you, and then you have to fulfill that expectation. Now, some jobs that you might have had, you would describe as being easy. Some of the jobs that you might have had, you might describe as being difficult. Some jobs might be challenging. Some might be boring, but there is a reflection in that relationship of what is required of us. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So the church, this church that we are to work in, For and do work for is a spiritual blessing from God. So it's an opportunity for us to go to, quote unquote, work here. And there's work that is required from within the church. The church is certainly a spiritual blessing. God created the church. God created the kingdom. God put the church, the kingdom, to be the bride of Christ. And Christ is the head of that church. We can read Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 22 and 23 put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all any work done of for by the church should reflect the life and teachings of Jesus Christ that quote that we read from a few moments ago those things that are fulfilling to the folks there in California where that church was if the, those have, the most important thing is it has to be done the way Christ would, have, the way God would want. So let's look at some yeses and some no's. And I do want to say when we get to the no's here in just a few moments, there are some no's that are a little bit iffy. Okay. And I think that we'll hopefully be able to discuss those a little bit more as we go through. But let's talk about yeses to start with. Local church yes, because we're talking about what is the work of the church. So let's talk about yes first. Well, the first work of the local church should always be evangelism. Jameson was reading this there just a few moments ago in front. It tells us how we need to conduct ourselves, first of all, in the house of God. What we need to be working on, what we need to be doing. It describes the church as, quote, the pillar and ground of the truth. We think about pillars, right? We think about pillars. It's something that Builds it like a column. Think about a big house that you maybe have seen. Or maybe at the Capitol building in Washington. I think there's columns that go around the top of that. But those columns are designed to hold something up. And one weakened pillar. One weakened column. And what will happen to the whole thing? It will eventually all come tumbling down. And you might say, well, there's ten columns. And nine of them are perfect. But there's a structural weakness that's going to happen right there. Those pillars are designed to hold it up. The church is the pillar and ground of the church. The church's responsibility is to present the truth. That's its first and most important task that it has to do. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 6 through 8 we read. And you become followers of us, this is Paul writing, and of the Lord having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you, the word of the Lord is sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. What Paul's writing to the people at Thessalonica right here is he is saying that the faith that you have, what you have developed, you have not only just took that, you didn't bottle it up, but you spread it to other people. And he said, it's really nice when we can go into these other places and we don't even have to teach it because you all have already been there. See, that's a church at Thessalonica where the word evangelism was taking place, where the preaching and teaching was taking place. If you came here every Sunday, every Wednesday, and you never heard any preaching or teaching, what are you gaining from that? What are you taking with you when you go forward? I'm not going to say that every single waking moment of your life is an opportunity for you to preach and teach. Who knows what's going to happen? But if you don't have anything to tell, what happens when that opportunity presents itself? There's nothing there for you. Number one, church, yes, evangelism. Number two, edification, right? Edification, the building up of, of others. Turn to Ephesians chapter four. Real quick, a few weeks ago, a few months ago, I had the lady at the library re my Bible. She said, I give it six weeks. Well, it's lasted longer than six weeks, but right here on this page, it's all about to come crumbling down. So if you see part of it fall out, I apologize. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read verses 11 through 16. You've heard this before, not hearing anything new. But he gave, and he himself gave some to the apostles, some prophets. Some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, right here, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. When we think about the idea of edification, we all have certain skills. We talked about this right. This is nothing new. We all have certain skills and certain abilities. But we read here, we are all together as the whole body joined together by what every joint supplies. Last couple of days, last couple of weeks, I had a pain right here in my shoulder. And last week on Sunday, I remember walking to right here and I kind of lifted my arm and it felt like it just shot right through. It's right there where that joint is. So I decided with a little bit of coaxing from my wife that I need to go to the doctor. And I had a feeling that I knew what they were going to tell me. I was hoping that it was going to be some, you know, something, big, you know, well, you did this or they did that. She said, have you done anything out of the ordinary? And I said, no. Nope. She did a couple of drills with me. And she was so, so polite. Because really what she was saying is you're getting older. I think that was the exact word. She said, well, it's a, you know, she, it's a repetitive use. You know, injury, and what she was really saying is, you've been using that arm for 41 years, and it's a little sore right there on that tendon. But where that's joined together, that's what we think about right there in the reading. Right? We think about these joints, these tendons, these muscles, whatever they all are, and we all sort of play this role, right? And we have to have all of these things functioning because we know what it's like if something's not working. If you've got something injured or something broken, think about that in the church. If all of the people in the church, if they're not all doing their part, it's not like a body that's not all doing its part as well. And there's times when you might want to raise that shoulder, but if it's hurting, you can't do it. Well, there might be things that the church needs to do that we can't do if we're not able to raise that shoulder, so to speak. And our responsibility is to edify each other, to build each other up, to know what we're capable of doing. And it might not be the same for everybody, but every single person is important. If you don't think that, sub that pinky toe on a piece of furniture. That may be the smallest thing on your body right there. And you'll live for a month, won't you? And you'll hit it 20 times in the process when you're doing it. We all need that edification. We all need that building up because us building each other up helps to build up what? Builds up the church, right? And it builds up Christ. So the second thing there is edification. We have to do our share. Number three, yes, relief of needy sins. <coughs> second Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Turn with me for the second thing. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God Bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of ministering to the saints. The third thing that we need to do is we need to help those in this building when there's a time of need. And there are some churches that are really good at that. And there are some that aren't. And there are some churches that I've heard of that I'm familiar with that have money in the bank but won't help the people that are there in the building. I'm not saying that we got to do everything for them, but there's times when people need a little bit of help. And we have to do that. That's part of that edification. That's part of that building up. That's what Paul wrote there in Corinthians when he was saying that they had people that had some money. They had people that were in poverty, but they were building up. They were bound and determined that they were going to help others in need a church's responsibility should be to help those especially the bible says of the household of faith right we should be looking for that not waiting for it to come to us but we should look for those opportunities to try and help as well that's the work of the local church that's a yes for them what about a no well when we think about no's here I think that I would like to have said, local church, no, but maybe with some shades of gray on a few things. But I think it's going to be how we approach things more than anything else. So before you look ahead, y'all are like my students, are like looking at the end of the book before we can get to the beginning. I should have spiked, spaced them out one right after another. Before we get to anything, before you commit to it, hear me out. And let's think about why we'll say no, but why we might also have room for me. The first thing I have here is general benevolence. Okay? So general benevolence. So when I say benevolence, you can interpret that however you want. But that, I hear the word benevolence. I hear some form of helping, right? But general does not seem to be a specific form of help, right? General, you know, it, it, sometimes you'll see uh, that, 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 that people in school, their first year, they're taking the general classes when you go to college. Well, what that means is you've got a little bit of everything. This is not my major. This is not what my career is. But i got to have this and I have to have this. You sort of run the gamut of all the things that you sort of just got to get out of the way. So think about the word general maybe in that sense. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So I want to start with that. That's what we're considering to start with. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verses 26 and 27, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Now, verse 27 is second, but we had this verse a few weeks ago in another sermon. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. Jesus said, there are some of you that are following me around, not for anything other than a piece of bread. Ask what you're following me around. But he said, when you eat that piece of bread, you feel really good for a while, right? And then you're hungry. we have said this before. You've said, you've, you've pushed back from the table at times and said, I couldn't eat another bite. And you walk straight into the kitchen and say, what's for dessert, right? We all know what this is like. Because that is all something that perishes. That's something that we have for a brief time, but we need it again. But what Jesus is saying right here is he says, you don't need to hunger for that bread, for that fish, for whatever that might be, but hunger instead for the bread of life. Now, how many of you have ever heard the saying, the door to the heart is through the stomach? You ever heard that? You know what that means? The door to the heart is through the stomach. You feed somebody good, they're going to like you a whole lot better in that case. Well, if we're only serving the food of man, not the bread of life, then I think that's where the no is right now. We're approaching the inappropriate manner. I'm not saying that we can't help people. I'm saying we absolutely should help people. But if the only thing is, here's a piece of bread, come back and get another one, but we're never going to give you anything else, that's not what the church's responsibility is. The church should use that to open up the door to speaking about what spiritual things need to be taught. Number two, social, mm-hmm. recreational activity. Again, into shades of the prayer. Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 5. We read, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot cannot please God. Now, I wanted to start with that verse. Because I want to say, there's a place in the church for social and recreational activities. I absolutely believe that there's a place for Think about this. We've done some social and recreational activities as a group. Every summer we pass out backpacks for kids. And that's a general benevolence as well as a social activity. I usually hear people say when it's over that we got more out of it than probably anybody did because it's an opportunity for us to spend time with others in sort of a non-church, at least, worship setting instead. We might as a group, and I've seen no problem with, buy 30 tickets to the Reds game and all go to watch the ball game. We might go to watch a movie. We tried to set up a hike and then it didn't work out for anybody uh, that uh, back in the fall. But the problem becomes when you do those things instead of worship. Let me give a story, and I cannot claim validity to this because Dad told this story from somebody that he worked with. But he had a coworker that went one night to a really large church there in the community. And they said they went and there was all sorts of cars and all sorts of people and all sorts. Of, and there was not a single place in that building where they were just simply doing a Bible study. There was some other thing going on. Folks, when it becomes a matter of going to church, but we're not studying the Bible, we're doing it all wrong. When the church becomes the social and recreational activities, and we think, well, we'll get to the Bible later. We've done that. We start with the Bible, and then we can get to these other things if need be. I think the church has failed tremendously, not just the church of Christ, but churches all around and focusing more on the recreation and less on the church. Because we got a lot of people that are in the building, but not a whole lot of people who know what the purpose of what the building should be teaching is. And I think that has been a struggle and we're seeing that happening more and more. Lost the primary focus? (coughs) Third, politics. Now, I don't want to talk about politics, but I want to give you a real quick little story. I think one of the worst aspects of our life today has become the ever-encroaching sense of politics that's on almost everything. It seems like that almost every sphere of life becomes political. And I, I understand why. And I'm also not naive enough to think that this was not the case in the past. You go back and read old newspapers. It was happening in the old times just as much as it is now. So it's always been present, but in many ways it sometimes feels like it's almost inescapable. The church, in some cases, has been a victim of this, but the church has also been at fault at this in some cases as well. So I wanted to do something. When I was preparing this lesson, I did a little Google search. I did a Google image search of political church signs. Okay? I just searched political, and I thought, I'm just going to see what pops up. Now, in my opinion, what should have popped up was there are no pictures available. That's what it should have popped up. That's not what it was. There was 8 billion observations. I'm going to share with you a couple of political church signs. The first Jesus believed in universal health care, universal health care, so do we. Well, that's all well and good. I don't recall that necessarily being in the Bible per se, but it may have been. But Jesus obviously did preach and teach and heal. And you may believe in that and I may believe in that as well. No, that's fine. I don't those are political issues. But that's what the sign that you drove by said. Second. They also Falsely accused Jesus. Vote Roy Moore. Now, I know who Roy Moore is in Alabama, but I feel like that's a tough claim to say they accused Jesus falsely when they've accused. But that's a I saw a lot of them. Third, vote for the Mormon, not the Muslim, the capitalist, not the communist. My favorite one though said, Jesus is coming soon, hopefully before the election. So that one made me laugh just a little bit there as well. Here's where my concern is. These organizations seem to be casting their lot on fallible men dealing with situations that are of this world. They put their membership in quite a delicate situation. Because it looks to me like when that sign up front says, vote for, put his name right there. What if I don't? Am I going to be kicked out of the church because I didn't put my letter beside a name of one or the other because I didn't check one box or the other? Is that how that's going to be? You've got people in a delicate spot. Unless you... Vote a certain way, you may not be accepted by this group. That's not the responsibility of the church. We can quote that. Jesus said in John chapter 18 and verse 36 My kingdom is what? Not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. <laughs> Imagine that people fighting over political issues so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. What Jesus is saying right there is pretty good idea of what we see in our world even today and we've seen it ever since then as well the work of the church is far greater than any secular problem that might come up it's far greater than any political party because guess what the church has been here the whole time those secular problems have come up and down we solve one and when we solve it guess what happens there's a new one that needs to be solved as well these political groups that we get tied in with we look back they've all flipped they're in different we say, you gotta think this way, you gotta think that way. Don't think yourself. That's fine. Political issues are what they are. Jesus said, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar, and render unto God that which is God. You leave your stuff out there. We're not hanging aside and we're not preaching about what you should or shouldn't be doing politically right up here. I think that is firmly your opinion. The church's responsibility to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And that's the mm-hmm. most important thing. Last. What do you want? What do you want? Well, what kind of congregation do we want to be a member of? Nice, comfortable, does little, expects less. You know any churches that are like that? You may have been part of a church like that. Market driven. School teacher knows this. We talk a lot about market driven things. That's what people maybe would want. We're going to strive to fill that. Well, there's churches that do that as well. We're going to find out what you want and we're going to cater to you in that case. Well, then we go back to what we talked about a minute ago. It's the work of God. Not the work of man. But there are churches that are like that. Or do you want to be part of a faithful church that diligently does the Lord's work and expects you to work alongside it? Well, I think that third one is what kind of church we see presented in the scriptures. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brother, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is is not in vain in the Lord. The work of the church is summed up pretty clearly right there. Our job is to do the work of the Lord, not to do the work of the community, not to do the work of the politician, not to do the work of anything else in that. Those are parts of life, and those are things that we deal with in life, and those are things that I'm not naive enough to think that we don't have to deal with in life. But let's set that aside when we come in here and focus on what the main thing is when we're inside of these walls. That should be the work of the church. You as a Christian have an opportunity each time to come together. But if you're not a Christian, we also take this opportunity to extend... The invitation to you. We extend to you the invitation to become a Christian. To sort of have a place where you can leave aside all those other things that sort of drain us, right? Those things that pull away from us what we might uh, typically want to uh, want to do or want to avoid. We can become a Christian by hearing the Word of God, by believing on the Word of God, by confessing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, by repenting of our sins and being buried in the watery grave of baptism. But when we do that and we come up, we're refreshed. We don't have to worry about those other things, but then we strive to live a life as a Christian going forward, doing the work of the church, as Paul wrote there, knowing that that labor was not in vain. If there's anything we can do for you, any way that we can help you be part of the work of the church, we invite you to come while we stand and sing. Wash away my sin.